Have I said welcome to the Metacast yet? Judge me when that happens. Oh, you're right. Game time. The game time boy. Yeah. Yeah. Pra- practice doesn't matter. Practice? Practice? All right. No, I, I'll take that. Yeah. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Hey, everyone. It's COVID-19 time, and we're not going to be down about it. Uh, I'm not going to be thankful about it, but we're not going to get down about it. But from the Metacast, Josh and I want to wish you, your families, safety, uh, sort of patience. What else? What other tidbits would we want? I mean, that, those are the two safety, ones, right? Safety, pa- be patient with yourselves. Uh, take care of yourselves and, and your I families. Think in theme with this episode, there might be things in these moments that you can find that you're grateful for. Even in these moments that you might find something to say, you know, this is now it's painful, but this is making me into a new person. Yep. What a nice segue into the episode, Joe. <laughs> you, yeah. you are a segue my- meister. You know that? I do what I can. You yeah. are the master of it. Can you? Oh, well, I guess we need to just say. On to the episode. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. We have a situation here, listeners. What we have here is a failure to communicate. You know, I've seen that movie multiple times. Have you? Yeah. That's my favorite freaking line. That's it's, one of my favorite lines in the world. Good. Another line that runs, you can't handle the You can't handle the truth. I love that line. So for those of you who don't know, that's from Cool Hand Luke. So the original, the right, uh, that Cool Hand Luke, and mm. then from A Few Good Men. Yeah. If you haven't seen Cool Hand Luke, see it. It's a good, yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. Uh, gosh, what's, uh, Star, what's the star? What's, the, oh my God, I'm blanking He's on He's the name. guy with the salad dressing, right? Yeah. Paul Newman. Paul Newman, yeah. Oh, you went with salad dressing, <laughs> and it's true, and it's true, but so sad, right? He's this like so awesome bad. actor. <laughs> what do we do? We throw dressing on him. Oh my god! I don't even like salad dressing, but I no, see his face in the grocery he's store. on the pizzas. He's yeah. got he he did a he was uh, Joanne Woodward is his wife. Is he with us? Any he no? Know. He's no longer with us. I don't think. I don't know. So the reason we have a situation here. Is I came did you just Did you just try to segue us back to the point again? Just, it's hard you, work. You did this the last Metacast. It's hard work. Uh, I, I It's came, like a train going. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'll try again. I came woefully unprepared to our recording session. I had zero topic ideas. Bob had a topic. And I wasn't bouncing off the walls, so Bob thought. What do you mean bouncing? Forget no! Don't make it sound like that. You were just you were like deadpan. I could have hit you with a fish, and you would have had more of a reaction. Processing. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Oh, I was. (laughs) I was processing. Yeah, that made process back to haunt you. Let me. And what I and Bob. So Bob was giving me a hard time, and I said, "Listen, don't judge me until I say welcome to the Metacast, because then." Game time. Yeah, it's showtime. So it's, it's showtime, Bob. Uh, I'm I'm ready. Yeah, okay. I'm poised. We'll see if you can maintain this energy, Grandpa. Oh, yeah, <laughs> son. Yeah, boy. <laughs> boy. 
<laughs> I like that. Uh, we'll see, uh, old man. Okay, so Bob's concept for the topic. Can was, I introduce it? Yeah, Bob will introduce just, the topic. You're just dominating the, the I'm medicast. trying to steer us towards content that adds value beyond chuckles. <laughs> <laughs> There's what he well, just gave me the bird. Yes, he did. <laughs> uh, so the the idea, of Metacasters, is uh, gratitude uh, or thankfulness. Uh, what are we looking back on our our life, our career? But our, it can be anything. What made Josh and I? So during the so during COVID nineteen, I've been trying to to concentrate every day on there's so much negativity <laughs> that I'm trying to find positivity um, each day and I've been getting more personally reflective each day just trying to get myself to offset the at least for me I at the end of the day sometimes I feel t- I feel like crap I feel really burned down and I'm worried I get worried and things like that it's a really serious time so this notion of gratitude is running through my head of just you know, once a day thinking about what am I thankful for? Uh, now for the Metacast, we're broadening it to who made us, what, who are we thankful for? Who made us <laughs> for good or for bad, right. the men we are today. And I, I'm hoping you can kick it off. Do you have something? Can you, and we can just bounce back and forth until we run out. Yeah. So I, I, as you talk through that, I envision these like carpenters, like shaping this block of wood yeah. into oh, us. That's a, oh, that's a freaking right, like the, cool metaphor. Just um, whether they knew it or not, these folks were shaping us into who we became. Again, to your point, for yeah. good and bad. Yeah. Um, there's It's a full circle here. And we can't, and I have this weird rule, we can't schmooze each other. So, so this is going to be Bob's all-time low word count. So because I, I mean, Josh made me. He carved me into the man. Whittled. <laughs> Whittled me slowly. <laughs> so who do you got? Uh, so, the, so the thing that jumps into my mind, and you've heard it many times, but I was shaped very heavily by many coaches throughout my playing career. And I was amazingly lucky to have been coached directly by people that have won Super Bowls and gone on to lead national programs in the college level, that they were really good at their craft and they were really good. And it wasn't just the X's and O's. It was about how to rethink how I fit into a team. So stop. So you can't do the general, I'm thanking all of them. Okay. You have to, we each have to pick. You you can't generalize it. You have to pick a specific coach. I got you. Yeah. So, name, uh, so the so the the number one that pops into my mind uh, is Sam Pittman. He is now the head coach at the University of Arkansas. Okay, and I've stayed in touch with him ever since we stopped seeing each other really? on a daily basis. Oh, how cool is that? Yeah, that's a nice. That's actually one of my indicators of people who've had an influence in outside of like sort of thankfulness mm-hmm. of if you stay in touch with someone, yeah. that's an indicator that they've had a really strong sort of connection, no matter, not how frequently, but that you do mm-hmm. is cool. What, what, what did he make? What? Yeah. The, the uh, big difference that he made for me was he gave me the confidence that I needed to succeed at a high level. I was good. I was talented and I did things well. What held me back from being as good as I could be was being confident and loose. 
So I was confident that I belonged there, that I could play the game. I'd been playing for a couple of years at a high level and things were going well, but I kept, hit, I kept hitting that, that, that ceiling. And he finally sat me down and said, listen, Josh, you're a, a starter at this position. So that means there's about 200 people in the world that do this as good as you so do. So he's the guy who shared that. I've heard you yeah. tell that story. That story was right. before. He's the guy, the genesis of that. Yeah. Uh, but that's really yeah. made an impression yeah. on me. Yeah. And that gave me pause, like, wait a minute. Really? So then his whole thing was like, just let it loose. Just be you. Stop trying to be something else. Just trust that 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 you are this person. So that translated beyond just between the lines. It was when I wanted to try something new. It was like, oh, okay, yeah, like I can do this. And that planted that seed for me that helped me go on and do a ton of different things. How cool is that? I wondered about that. Yeah. Are you okay with the being specific part of Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I want to hear names if we can. So, uh, you good? I'll go. Yeah. So, John Balga is his name. Um, I met a kisser. You've never heard me talk about John. Uh, John uh, terminated me, fired me at Bell & Howe Mail Processing Systems uh, in the... Um, I forget. Uh, I moved down here in 96, so probably 99. Uh, he terminated me. Uh, he was a VP or a CTO of technology, and I was a director that reported to him. He came in. I was reporting to a guy who, who brought me down here, Mark Van Gorp. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I would work with him longer. Mark was wonderful. And so I reported to Mark. He uh, relocated me down here to North Carolina from Connecticut for this role, but then they reworked a few times and John came in towards the end. Uh, John was a backstabbing, two-timing, lying bastard, basically. Um, and he, I, he was, he was the only person I've ever worked for that I could absolutely not trust. Mm-hmm. And, and he was not trustworthy and he stabbed me in the back and then he fired me. So they fired me for, I don't know, just, just whatever. He, he just worked politically behind my back. Um, but what he did was he gave me, um, well, I'll finish part of the story. Uh, after I was fired, they caught him stealing equipment from Bell and Howe. Wow. And he had, he was redirecting inventory, like purchases, like PC purchases to his home. That's crazy. And he, uh, so they fired, but, but a company will never, they didn't prosecute him because it embarrasses the company as mm-hmm. much as it embarrasses John, right? Right. So they just, but they had police go to his house and find all of this stuff. Hmm. Uh, and, they, and then they immediately terminated him, but it was too late. I was already gone, right? So it gave me, what did he, it gave me resilience. Mm-hmm. It gave me backbone. It gave me, um, it, it was a really hard time for me. Uh, it really, my business, there's two events for my business. One is layoffs at, um, at Lucent. Mm-hmm. Uh, the telecom bubble burst. So mm-hmm. I thank Lucent for that. But then, uh, but even before that, it was John. Yeah. Uh, and he, and I don't know how I, w- I formed my business when the telecom bubble burst, mm-hmm. but that the sort of the, the personal resilience of that. The other thing it gave me is it boosted my character check, if that makes sense. It made me realize 
like how hard it, uh, how difficult it was to deal with someone who who was like that, who was mm-hmm. a backstabber, mm-hmm. who was non trustworthy, who would lie to your face and smile, who would put their arm around you and say, yeah, "I've got your back," mm-hmm. and then wouldn't. I've, I've hardly wow. ever encountered people like that. Yeah. So, John, if you're out there, hopefully you're in prison. Uh, that would be a good place for you right now. Uh, but thank you. I want to thank you for making me the man I am today. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> <laughs> True story. I, I, true, no, true, I know. It's just story. the way you wrap that up. Like, yeah. I hope you're in prison. <laughs> wow. he, he I was, don't know if I feel like that about anybody. Now, I haven't been through that situation, but that's, yeah. No, no, no. He I, he took, um, I don't mean to be as to be, I am at, I'm honestly grateful for that experience. Yeah. That was yeah. a that was a put you through you know the Marine Corps they put you through these really hard things and you come out yeah yeah like hard fire you know iron sharpeneth iron mm-hmm. or, or whatever or you temper steel yeah. that tempered me uh, and it tempered me in different directions it yeah. didn't it didn't it, it I mean at the time it hurt but I've never encountered no I've never I've yeah. encountered bad so I've encountered bad leaders I never encountered a malicious mm-hmm. lying yeah. I, that he's the only one in my entire career life yeah. that I encountered like that. And I was ill-equipped to deal with that, right, because of that. Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to be equipped. I'm not. I'm dominating. So, John, thank you. Yeah. Okay. So, quickly on the heels of Sam Pittman, um, I laid in my first job and my first boss, who amazingly continued that trend of believing, supporting, and empowering me was Pat Callahan. Um, and he, another, is that a coach? No, he was my first boss and my first job. Oh, oh wow. Go, go. So, so like I said, so I went from that, that, that coach that built me up and helped shape me. Then my very first job, my very first boss, which is lucky, right? Like I recognized the luck I had in that in having that, that, that great coach at the personal level and then a great coach at the technical level and personal as well. Uh, Pat Callahan recognized that I had some shred of ability and passion. And in my first six months, he was teaching me how to hire people. So oh, wow. Like, actually, like, like wet behind the ears? Yeah. Six, like Holy crap. In my first six months having a job, we, we had to hire someone. And he, in the truest sense, put me under his wing and said, here, let me show you how you do this well. You're going to be a part of this. You just got hired for the first time. Do those? I consider you an excellent hire. Not, mm-hmm. I'm not schmoozing, but yeah. do, does that go back to the that to those lessons learned? I mean, do, do the roots of your hiring philosophies go back to that? Uh, I don't think the philosophies, but the passion. The passion so for he, it. He, I so I found my own way with how I like to hire. Okay, um, but Patrick showed me how important it was. And the steps to take, and he taught me to not settle because they were because I didn't really know right. I didn't know what a great developer resume looked like. I didn't know how to ask this person and yep. figure out if they were good or not. And he just kept saying no and no and no. And he, but he would explain why. So that that gave me an idea of what it was like to hire well and how important it was. He also on the tech side we. Again, super lucky. We were lucky enough to be building a version 2.0 of old software. So it was Greenfield. And he let me understand the architecture. And it wasn't that I was just, hey, go 
go build this boring screen because I don't want to build it. It was, let's talk about how this thing is going to work fundamentally. Let's right. talk about how the data gets from the back to the front end and why we're choosing this over this. And he didn't have to do that. Yep. He didn't. Um, but he chose to, and he ended up becoming a college professor, right? Because I think he discovered that that was a passion of his, of teaching that. Oh, cool. And he went on and that is how he shaped his his career. But that, again, very lucky in that I went from, from one person to another that continued that trend of uh, supporting me and giving me the space to growth. Cool. Do I have a, a positive or a negative? I'm trying. I, that, I, I started with a real downer, didn't I? Well, yeah. Like you were the, talking about like the you mo- wanted the mo- to be the a, most malicious weasel. To be, to be a positive. No, no, but I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, I think we, I, if you only have positive stories, I, well, you don't have to create them, but, um, where was I going to, uh, I, I have a positive one. Uh, Rob Sabarin is a guy, Canada. He lives outside of Montreal. Mm-hmm. He's a test guru a testing software testing guru has been doing that uh for incredibly long he te- he's taught at mcgill university a prestigious university outside of uh, uh montreal mm-hmm. um he's not he's not a phd but he's a pragmat he's a practical learned he might have a master's degree mm-hmm. but he's not a, a phd uh i sent him i was working on this book so around the time i got laid off from lucent i i had this epiphany of i incorporated then so I incorporated in 2001, and then I started – I had free time, much like we have now. Mm-hmm. And I started writing my a book, my first book, called Software Endgames. And I wrote it, and it, it's about triage and defects and things like that, the end game after development is done. Uh, even though I was a developer then. so But I was intrigued by, from a project perspective, like getting shit out the door, right? Mm-hmm. From code complete to in the hands of customers. And that was what the book was about. And I had gone to some conferences. I had seen Rob speak at a conference. So that's, I knew, I only knew him from them. I never met him. Uh, and I sent him an email with my, ho- I, I sent a request to him. He was a bug, he's a bugs guy. He's a defect triage sort of analysis mm-hmm. metrics guy on bugs and, and root cause where they're found and stuff. And so I knew he would uh, resonate with the books to focus, mm-hmm. but I, you know, I didn't know. So I sent him this blind email. Hi, I'm Bob Galen. Uh, would you want to review my book for me? Mm-hmm. And I explained a little bit about it. And I didn't think there was a snowball's chance in hell. One, didn't know me. Two, I, if it, I, I just assumed he was not going to reply, but I said, what the hell, mm-hmm. right? And I didn't send it. I sent it to him only because it resonated. I didn't send it out to a lot. I was shy. And he came back and he asked me for the book. I sent him the book. Two weeks later, I got this spreadsheet. Probably still, I still have it. I'm sure I have it. Uh, to this day, chapter by chapter analysis. Wow. Um, detailed, I mean, he's a QA guy, so freaking yeah. detailed analysis, uh, upbeat messages. The world needs to see this. You know, you need to publish this. This is, this is excellent. I mean, not the material, but he's like, the world, ha- this is an open niche mm-hmm. that needs to be filled. Go for it. Gave me so much positive energy. Uh, didn't know me from Adam. And I published the book. And it was one of the things that probably sprung board my career, my entire career was this guy. It's one of the reasons to this day, I don't know if you, you you probably know this about me, that I'll help people, Mm -hmm. right, that reach out to me. One of the things is I'm trying to pay forward what what Rob did for me. Uh, And I'm incredibly grateful for him uh, talking to us, investing his time. 
I mean, I, he must have taken a week. I'm not shitting you. I mean, you had to read. He yeah. read yeah. the freaking book. Yeah. Then he like put together this detailed analysis. Uh, I was I was blown away. So I was in, I'm grateful for that. He made he made me. Um, he you he set me on the direction. Would have, uh, invested more in becoming an author if it wasn't for that feedback. Like in that moment. Do you think that's the thing that pushed you off into like, yes, I'm going to go make this happen? So I, I had a, a contract with Dorset House, mm-hmm. and I, I owed it, but he he gave me the boost that I probably writing writing is hard. Yeah, uh, from the point of view of everyone, everyone thinks it's going to be so much shorter and easier than it is. It's like one of these long schlocks. Yeah. It's like a marathon, yeah. right? You know, I've never run a marathon, but as I envision it being a marathon. You talk a good game, and getting to mile five is easy. Right. Right? Getting to mile... But <laughs> completing all 26 miles right. is a freaking bear. Yeah. And I, I was hitting that. Actually, what he did... And you can always bail out of your contracts. Yeah. There's a lot of people that don't deliver uh, to, the, to their... So the right. contract doesn't require you to do that. There's no penalty for it. So I think he motivated me to finish it. Yeah. He gave me energy Yeah, beyond that also. I mean, he and I have stayed in contact to this day. Full circle, real quick. He's writing a book now, and I'm helping him with And he's he's never published a book. Yeah. He has content up the freaking wazoo, yeah. but he's never published a book. So nice. I'm helping him. I'd yeah. love to see his book get, that, get out there. Well, it probably will. I hope so. I really hope so. It would be like a full circle yeah. kind of thing. So that's Rob, Rob Sabarin. Okay, cool. So mine, uh, Ed Rochek. He was. Have I heard that name from you before? I don't, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. He was the COO at an insurance company that I worked at. A couple of things happened there. Again, I was given the opportunity to build a replacement product from scratch. I was leading the technical side of the house, and there were. I, we made a really, really, really big mistake. Um, so we were building software for an insurance company that did everything. So the yep. same thing that, um, uh, progressive had, right? So, so I get really frustrated because we weren't done. And he sat me down and said, listen, Josh, you're building software equivalent to what progressive or state farm has to have. It's just, we have fewer policies. So it's going to take a while. Just get comfortable with that. So he gave me that peace of mind, like, okay, mm-hmm. like there's a lot to build here. Um, in releasing our uh, bill payment, so we have all, all of these customers with, with policies, and some of them have monthly pay cycles or quarterly pay cycles yep. or annual. Uh, we process monthly the first time. Everything was perfect. Month two, uh, we we never tested month two of monthly bill processing. So um, what happened was we were fine with all the monthly folks, but all the quarterly and annual folks. All the quarterly and annual folks got billed again. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So not only did we hit their account for a significant amount to pay for a policy on an annual basis, we hit them twice back to back that also created some overdraft fees. (laughs) So we had to refund all of the transactions. We had to cover the ACH fees. Um, and I didn't get fired. 
I was fully expecting that that was going to happen. I would have, I would have whacked you. I mean, yeah. I would have been strongly yeah. inclined to whack. I yeah. mean, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I mean, there's fees. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was a very expensive mistake, and he used it as an opportunity to educate me. And fail forward. And fail forward. And um, a year later, he gave me a larger role. Holy. And that that is where I discovered the world of – of agile the 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 previous leader that we had was very waterfall yeah and that wasn't working for a number of ways and he said okay so that wasn't working josh we're gonna put you in charge run this how you think you should run it holy okay yeah so you've had three good ones in a row yeah bro you gotta you gotta dig deep and find a a, don't worry i have some negative ones yeah but but so that so that that is where I started shaping the process that we were using, and I didn't even know it was agile, right? We just started doing things ways that made sense. And then I've said this before, a developer um, that I'm still close with uh, sent, sent me an email like, with a link, and he said, hey, there's this thing called agile, and I think we're doing it. And then that opened my eyes even broader, like, oh, wait a minute. So there's other people doing things the wow. same way. So we really accelerated. So he supported me in understanding the size of the project that we were working on. He supported me in the darkest day when I cost the company a, a lot of money and b a lot of, uh, like face was not saved. Yep. And then, um, as I continued to prove myself, he gave me the keys to the kingdom. Wow. Yeah. You're, I mean, this is the gratefulness, right? Thankful episode. You should be really, and yeah, I mean, you had this wonderful arc of a start, mm-hmm. for God's sakes. Yeah. That's rare, right? Very, yeah, very that's lucky. Very lucky. Holy crap. And that's made you, I can see that arc has yeah. made you who you are today. Yeah. So I'm, this is a name that, Ra, that Ralph Kasuba. So yeah, I figured this one was coming. It has to. It has to. Uh, Ralph and I have worked together. I've worked for Ralph uh, at least three times, maybe four times. Uh, when Josh and I met at Teradata, Ralph was there. I think I went first. Ralph came second. Uh, I reported to Ralph there in some fashion. And uh, I've always been Ralph's like dev guy. So he's always had like, uh, you know, CTO roles or something like that at different companies. And and then he's had like operations and technology, and I in and so I've always sort of been his development right hand person who managed code and test and UX or stuff like that. And um, Ralph, what can I? I'm incredibly grateful. So the fact that I followed him, he followed me, or I followed him around, I don't, I don't sort of, um, you know, I, I I don't tolerate fools lightly in leadership. So Ralph is a fantastic leader. I think the thing that I'm most grateful for with him is this is going to come as a shock, Metacasters, but I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. Josh, I know it's just hold on. I am I am holding my tongue on that. I'm I'm a bit of a curmudgeon. I'm not the easiest person to get along with. I'm opinionated. Mm-hmm. Um now, often I'm right, but not always. And um, I, my delivery is sometimes not very subtle. And uh, and I'm not the smartest person in the world, right? So I'm, I've got a lot of weaknesses. And Ralph always dealt with me with respect. 
And he always, uh, I mean, he would challenge me. He wouldn't blindly trust, but he trusted me. It was like, it was like the last one you talked mm-hmm. about, right? I've made mistakes, mm-hmm. but damn it, he would have my back. Mm-hmm. You, you ever were, I, I knew he had, in fact, so I'm not the perfect guy. I make mistakes. I'm out there. I'm a little bit of a bull in a china shop sometimes. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a way to articulate it. And he uh, was very careful, not because I'm a bull, but he was very respectful mm-hmm. of me. He gave me space. He gave me guidance. Uh, I knew he had my back. He would challenge me. He would tell me I'm, I'm a bull at times. We would have some very challenging conversations, and he could handle that. But he, uh, he sort of gave me the space and he even tolerated my imperfections. And I appreciated that, right? He, he, he really gave me the space as a leader. And uh, I've worked for very, gosh, I, can't, I actually don't think I've worked for anyone who's given me such space to be myself, mm-hmm. to be who I am, and to, to, to drive a bubble. Do you know what I mean? To, mm-hmm. to like, you, Bob, you own Dev. Mm-hmm. Go make it so. And it was just wonderful. Uh, and he, and he would honestly give that he wouldn't, he wouldn't micromanage me in any sense of the word. So I'm, I'm thankful for that. Great guy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So negative, um, you don't have to go negative, but well, I, I, mean, I think we can learn from those. Yeah. Um, and I've had a handful of anti mentors along the way. Somebody, use that term once I, I think on one of the Kazi streams and it really struck with me because, um, I, I have latched on to those more as a driving force of ensuring that when I was in that same seat, I operated differently. I'm not saying better, just differently. I like that. Right? I like the way, um, who was it? Uh, the, the key one was Gonzalo. Yeah. Hidalgo. Yeah. Uh, so there's, it's, uh, it's a good and bad story because Gonzalo believed in me and he, he hired me from Ohio almost sight unseen. And he said, uh, so I came down, I interviewed for a role and he sat me down. I said, Josh, this is not the right role for you, but I have this role over here. I'm going to hire you. We're going to get you here. I'm going to figure out where, where we can use you best. Um, so I came in as a, as a scrum master, build master type thing, DevOps, which I had never done before. Uh, but he just like, here, just go do that. Go figure it out. I did that. And then I moved into a director role on the software engineering side. So you and I, I had dev, you had QA. Um, but, but he believed in me and he saw some things like, I just think having this person here will be good for our team. Um, and he gave me the opportunity to see and try and do a lot of different things. But in the end, he and I ended up butting heads very frequently over his desire for someone at the VP level or director level role to know more than the engineers doing the work. And we had a lot of heated discussions about that where I just said, Gonzalo, I am not going to know more than the person writing the code every day. The challenge was that he wrote some of the code. So he actually knew how, how things work. So he had an expectation that everybody worked like that. And I didn't believe that. And I was not going to, um, question engineer estimates because I felt like I knew better. Right. What I was trying to do was build a, um, 
a place of trust where people were comfortable throwing sizings as opposed to trying to pad sizings or being afraid what what Gonzalo would say because he would we would be in meetings in his office and he would say why is this an eight point story this should be a five I said I, you should go talk to them he's like no you need to know and I said Gonzalo I am not gonna know and if you want me to know then I'm not the right guy for this role because that's not how I'm gonna run this team and that was not received well. Uh, he didn't fire me, but we just kind of knew that we believed in different ways. So then as I got to move into a VP role, I worked very hard to build a safe space where people were comfortable and confident with telling what they thought was the most accurate truth. Right. And knowing that it might not be perfect, but they weren't fearful of saying, hey, this this is bigger than I thought or this is bigger than you think. Um, so that that gave me that catalyst to make sure that I'm going to do it differently. Now, he was successful. You know, the company grew that we acquired. A t- we really grew that space and he was the driving force. But I didn't want to become the driving force of a company I I wanted to be the one that empowered the team to be the driving force. Right. I mean, I know Gonzalo. Yeah. Right. He he is a he was a yin and a yang kind of guy. Mm-hmm. From a vision perspective, he was out like he I think he was outstanding at envisioning at yeah. co-creating things, is taking a risk on a people. Yeah. But like like at the beginning, at yeah. the inception yeah. phase of things. But then his weakness, I think, was was expecting because he was the one of the original coders mm-hmm. and he never let that go yeah. then he was opinionated about every estimate and if you add that to pressure from above to hit dates yeah then then you would jump into the code yep. even, even though you didn't know the code had evolved beyond him mm-hmm. but that didn't matter right it was like you think that you understand what's going on yeah so mine is Jay Shri Patel at EMC, and Jay Shri was the director of a large ops, what's an ops group that had QA, uh, IT support, uh, net- networking. Uh, this was EMC, the network attached storage division at the time. I had maybe a couple hundred people that reported to me. I'm not exaggerating. I had a really large team. So we, we were the QA group for all of the product lines that were coming through. Developer, directors of development had products individual product like a product line uh but we were like this service oriented qa group and um the the philosophy there was and this is an anti example because yeah. jay shree was like the consummate politician i think the culture being female and being indian probably had a factor that she was the consummate like schmoozer and politician and always trying to appease the organization um and I was, uh, I was basically a you know a straight shooter in QA. I was a development guy in QA. I had transferred from development into QA. This was my first QA leadership job, and and it was funny how people like talked down to me. Like I had been writing code yeah. for years, like really hard kernel based code. And the minute I went to QA, like people started talking slower to me. Like, Bob, it's a, it's a distributed <laughs> system. There's a pipe that we establish from one process to another. 
And I'm and I'm like, and if you talk any slower, I'm going to reach out and smack you in the head, right? I understand. It was this really weird transition for me. But the the weird transition, I want to thank her for not doing anything, and it it sort of encouraged me to leave. It was uh, it was a culture there where everyone had to know what everyone was doing. Every leader mm-hmm. had to know what everyone was doing. True micromanagement. It was it was. I can't even just. Dis- it's not even micromanagement. We went into a director VP level uh, with Massachusetts. This is with peers. So this is people who are leading thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And there was an expectation that we would understand the commit logs from every engineer or tester that reported wow. to us. There was a guy in Massachusetts who literally, probably not lines of code, but he knew. He, I don't know what the hell he was doing. And he, and he had a family. Mm-hmm. Maybe they didn't know his name. But he could literally tell you what, what was done in the last week, almost on an engineer-by-engineer engineer level. And since he was setting the tone culturally, it was a culture like that. So the tone, I'd, the, the response to a question of I'll have to check with the team was look at, looked at with disdain. It was looked at as an, a tremendous, I'm not exaggerating, a tremendous mm-hmm. sign of weakness. Like, uh, trust my team was never, you had to micromanage your team. In, in technical, you had to be, every leader had to be a technical wizard and that expectation. And uh, I thank her for uh, putting that on me and putting pressure on me to do that. And, and, it, for, and I never changed. Uh, I got dinged for that, and I eventually left. I was looked at as like the weakest cog in the organization right. because I wasn't I, I I wasn't changing my behavior. Now my organization was when I joined them, it was a dysfunctional QA organization. When I left, it was a really high performance yeah. QA organization. But it didn't matter. But it didn't matter because yeah. I couldn't answer. I couldn't show up as the leader that everyone expected me to be in that culture. Well, I think you chose not to. Oh, I chose not yeah. to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I wasn't going to change. But it's it's really hard, actually, not to conform. Do you know that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I mean, incredibly yeah. it's incredibly difficult yeah. to not give up. Like, you give up your, your, your rules. Give up your basics. Give mm-hmm. up your essence. Right. Because you can comply. I mean, or make shit up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes those folks... No, not everyone knew what was going on. They were making stuff up. Right. Right? But it sounded... But Good. look good yeah. and they look good right yeah so, so okay uh so my last one um was is, that my last one you're looking at the clock i think I i'm rambling I that, mean, let me count that as my last one, last one? Okay, yeah fine. all right uh raj who both you and i know he i don't know what role he is at warburg pincus but he was a cto oh i do know raj i was wondering yeah okay uh and what he helped me is this understand. a good one bad yes, one this good is a good one. one all right uh, it I didn't know it was good at the time, so I'll take you through the journey. Oh, that's kind of cool. Um, if you've listened to us for any decent amount of time, you've you've heard me talk about how I I had to learn how to be a strategic thinker. Um, I had always been putting out the fires, and then I was at a company, we finally put out the fires, and it's like I had to now begin to think strategically because we solved all of the problems. I didn't really know how to do that. So I went on walks with an apple and just tried to figure it out. I eventually got to where... I think I started to do the job. Um, but you went then, on walks with like a physical, like an yeah, apple apple? That was my, yeah. That was your thing? That was my thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. Um, and it was like, okay, I'm going to go eat this apple. I'm going to be back by the time the apple's done. Right? Like that was my timer. Oh, that's neat. What, I don't know. All right. Yeah. That's it fine. was just a thing. Um, so I thought I had it handled, but I really didn't. 
and Raj was helping us at Dude Solutions become a product-driven company. Right. And he would come in and ask some terribly difficult questions. And what I didn't understand at the time was that he actually had my back. He understood that we built a great engine that could build great software. The gap that he saw was that Dude Solutions had yet to make the transition from a very heavily founder-led product org with air quotes where founders intuit things they understand from the market. That's good, but when you are $100 to a billion-dollar company, it it, it just doesn't work. So he, leading the technical side of – of the investment from Warburg recognized that we need to fix this or else our investment isn't going to become what we thought it could be. Right. And I was in every one of those meetings and it took me two years before I realized the magic that he was working in trying to transform that organization into thinking about product. And I was very lucky to have a front row seat And see someone with that experience and skill educate executives on this is how you need to reframe how you think. This is what strategy looks like. This is how you do it. And again, what I didn't understand was I felt like all those attacks were addressed towards me when I first started. It was misunderstood on my end. But then as I spent more time with him and he would sit down and spend one-on-one time with me and explain what he was trying to do – things made sense yep. and I could replay those moments a year prior to that where I was frustrated and mad at him and realized like he was helping me. Correct. I just didn't know it. Um, so what he taught me was how to build a product org that thinks holistically understands the market and can make sure that the future is sound. And that and that was a that was a key moment in me continuing to grow my career in the ways it has because I've spent more and more time in in product trying to understand that and I've developed a passion around for myself I am comfortable that I can build a development team that that can build whatever we need but are they going to build the thing that's most important and and they're inextricably linked right yeah. and so in being my op it does not doing the team a service right. right? Uh, that's that's a wonderful story. Any threads that's wrapped this sucker up? Um, I'm I'm incredibly thankful for everyone I mentioned and many many more. Um, I start we started this off with. Um, I think it's useful to reflect on your career, to reminisce about your career, to retrospect, to learn. Like you, you wrapped up with a beautiful story because it's like in the moment mm-hmm. it looked bad. But upon reflection, you learn things, and it wasn't what you assumed. And I and I've seen that in my career many, many times. I've had to actually look back to look forward, mm-hmm. right, and really learn. And some people don't do that. Some people are in the moment of the emotion yeah. or something. So, metacasters, um, be thankful, uh, have gratitude, uh, look for it, uh, even in the quote unquote negative examples, because they're really they're they're crafting you. Uh, it's, they're not there. It may have been a negative story, but it made you the person you are today. Mm -hmm. It helped you in your journey. It's a fall. You've fallen right in in any, you're on a path, you fall occasionally, you pick yourself up, you move forward. So that's really all they are. Um, 
So reflection, I'd like to wrap up with a recommendation of being thankful, being positive, and reflecting, and mining your history for the good stuff and yeah. carrying it forward. Josh, yeah, what do you th- got? That, that's the message that I wanted to send was you have to mine your experiences. There, there, there are things that shaped you, whether you know it or not, and there's tremendous value in spending the time, effort, and energy to understand that. And then now you have a new tool in whatever direction you're going that, oh, so I didn't like that. How do I make sure that doesn't happen? Or that really helped me understand things. How can I use that going forward? It's all there. You just have to go find it. So I think mining is a fantastic view on what you've got to do to help make it powerful because it really is. There was a guy who um, reached out to me uh, a week or so ago and he said, I've I've uh, gotten rejected on eight Agile coaching interviews. And uh, my response to him in email, and I know him, uh, is uh, really sit down and think about each one of those interviews. Mm-hmm. And really mind, and, he's, and, and his other comment was, no one's telling me anything, right? I'm not getting any failure yeah. data, right? I'm just getting rejections. And, and I'm like, I, I think, I'm, I, not I think, I know now, he has to find it, mm-hmm. but I know that if he goes back and reviews, almost like a movie, goes back and reviews those things, he's going to find answers mm-hmm. to help him improve it, whatever it is, so that he could improve his his ability to interview and get a job. Do you know what I mean? Yep. There's something in those eight. There's common patterns and common threads, but the art is not to just move forward and not and just get disgruntled or whatever, or get disappointed. It's to go back, really detach and really do some analysis. I know it's in there. Yeah. There's some answers in there to help him. Uh, I said that. He said he would. Uh, and I said, I'll, you know, I'll help you. I'll even do a mock interview. If, once you find out mm-hmm. like how, you know, what are, what's tripping you up, I'll, I'll do a mock interview. But it goes back to this mining, mining the past for the excellence, being, and being appreciative of it. Don't mm-hmm. get defensive. So the other thing is if you get defensive, you know, it's really hard to like look under the covers, you know, like Gonzalo. Gonzalo did it. Oh, he sucked in this. So I'm not going to look underneath that. I'm not going to pick that up and look underneath the rock, right? Because I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I don't think it's worth it. No, it's absolutely worth it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's not worth it is John Balka. <laughs> May you rot in prison. Oh my gosh. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm absolutely kidding. It's all, it's, I, I, I mean it. It's all good. It's made me who I am today. Mm-hmm. So stick a fork in it. What do Let's you think? Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all. <laughs>